Hey, folks. Thank you for stopping by Kaiser's Castle. Take a seat on my big orange couch. Grab yourself a coffee, tea, soda, or adult libation. As you listen to Dun Dun Dun, we're going to talk with a friend of mine, Kate, and we are going to talk about paranormal things and keeping in uh, contact with PSN and the last caller uh, that was on Angel Show. Dr. J, you all know him without any uh, knowledge, you know, other than paranormal. He's the best at it since art has passed, besides Angel. And uh, always give a shout out to uh, WPRPN in the Boiler Room. Uh, and I loved hearing Brandon tonight. That was so beautiful. Listen to it. Um, and with that being said, I want to introduce you to Kate. How's it going today, Kate, sister? How you doing, Kaiser? It's nice to be back on your big orange couch and saying hello to everybody out there. Kate's doing pretty Outs- good. Outstanding, outstanding. Um, well, I'll just let you lead in with uh, one of your funky Cole Medina uh, <laughs> stories that you have. Of course, there's many, and you guys are going to hear them all tonight, I believe. Well, back in, well, not all of them, but back in the day. Many, many years ago, 30-something years ago, I was in the military, and I was a military police officer, escort unit, and my partner was a big man. He was about six foot five, just huge, and Woody was the best. You couldn't find a better partner. Right. we got this call. We got this call out to a warehouse. This was at Fort Leonard Wood, Fort Little Korea in Missouri. We get this call to this warehouse. People were hearing voices, and they were strange voices, and they hadn't heard voices at this warehouse prior to this. Nobody was supposed to be in this warehouse. So we decided we were going to check out the warehouse. We opened up the door, rolled in, did our Starsky and Hutch thing. Back then, Starsky and Hutch was big. We cleared the whole warehouse. Nothing and nobody was there. We heard no noises. We start walking out of the warehouse. We start hearing voices. There was nobody in this warehouse. Nobody. So we decided we're going to clear the warehouse again. We went from room to room. We could hear the voices in this one room. So we cleared the room. As soon as we cleared that room, we heard the same voices in another room. So we rolled out, cleared the room. Nobody was in that room. We could hear the voices in another room. This happened for about 15 minutes as we're clearing the rooms. But there was nobody in the warehouse. That's just one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's. The warehouses in the military are unique. I've uh, told the story, I believe, on Art Bell one night. It's a fact. It's what happened. And it's very simple. I get called to a, um, this is on Okinawa, Japan. I get on Camp Kenzer. I get called to PWR, Preposition War Reserve uh, uh, Warehouse. And it has a freezer area for um, like, meats and stuff like that that are in deep fro deep freeze a lot of mm-hmm. people don't understand how you know when you get your meat from overseas 
that stuff's been deep frozen for months by the time you see it in Konex boxes. It's the same principle with this. And um, the interesting part was I go up, I got called. We used to do single man patrols that there was something, you know, the, the guard force, which was regular Marines, had called in through their sergeant of the guard and their commander of the guard uh, called PMO, Provost Marshal's office. And so I get dispatched to go there. Well, I go there, and there's a black gentleman who's ashen gray. I've only seen people ashen gray like this if they're dead or they're seasick. But fear was the first time I ever saw somebody, and I saw it later in during wars. And the white guy, totally bloodless, as white as the biggest computer nerd that lives in mom's basement and never sees sunlight. Uh, sort of like the shiny vampires from uh, uh, whatever the hell that television series was. Uh, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Anyways, so I see these two dudes and all they can say is, in there, in there, in there. So I go in there, being a military policeman and being an idiot, and I'm running down the aisle to where they said it was at. I'm looking left, right, left, right. Come to the end of it. I see this vaporous form. And that's all I can say. It could have been smoke, could have been vapor. This is what I saw. And it was from the waist up, hands and arms that I could actually see that were moving. Um, a head that was on top of the body, which I could see. But it could be water vapor. It could be smoke. I've never said that this is a ghost. It's just a weird thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I said it out loud as I'm running towards it. And the thing just kind of looked at me and moved forward to this freezer door. Now, freezer doors and these deep, deep freezing things, you're not getting cold from, from outside of it because the seals are that good. Uh-huh. And uh, as I go through where this form was, I feel a cold that went down to my bones. And I'm like, okay, he went through this door. Something's weird. So I popped the door open. Now the cold from the freezer, as I stepped into it, it had the little plastic things that hang down to keep the cold from coming completely to it. Uh, the little buffers or whatever you want to call it. Uh, as I stepped through that, I see it again and it just looked at me and whew, disappeared. And I'm like, Whoa, that's pretty wild. And, uh, I was not as cold in the freezer as I was outside of the freezer. If that makes that sense to you, that kind of cold is soul bone chilling cold, as opposed to the flesh cold when you're just in the freezer. Exactly. It went down to the core. And so I go outside, and Gunny W rolls up, and he's like, what happened? I said, this, that, and the other. I said, but it doesn't make sense. And he goes, uh, yeah, well, that's a ghost. It, what I found out was during the Vietnam War, that entire warehouse was a freezer at one point. It was air-conditioned mm -hmm. at this point because it was in Okinawa, Japan's Hawaii. And um, the interesting thing was, 
this was night, so the ACs turned down, and I believe it was during wintertime, too, so the temperature is already down. Um, and he said, well, you now know when you come here, this is what you're going to expect. And I got called a couple more times. Uh, but yeah, it was interesting, um, for that, for that time. And, uh, so I agree, uh, some of these warehouses, we don't know what was used, what they were used for before then. Your thoughts? Yeah, I remember a time, not just in warehouses, but in barracks when we were at Fort Drum, we're being trained for the Iranian hostage crisis. That tells you my age. Um, we were at Fort Drum, New York, and there's old, old barracks there, and that's where they warehoused us at. And we could feel, we could not see anything, we could not hear anything, but we could feel what was in the, the barracks. And you, you know, if something is, is good and where if, or something is bad, you, you just know it's, it's an instinct and we could feel the oppression and the evil in what was in those barracks. We, I believe that, um, RCO got us out of the barracks that first night because it was not just us complaining to him saying, oh my God, there's something in here. He could feel it as well. And he got freaked out. Now it's not, you know, you can be, you just know, you just know that something bad is about to happen. So you, you change up whatever it is that you are doing to make sure nothing bad happens. Well, we didn't, could not see anything, but we could feel something was about to happen. I don't know if that even makes sense, but it made sense to us at the time. Oh, it does. It's like a presence. I've, I've, I've felt it too. I mean, even during wartime, I tell it's, it's like a sixth sense, you know, something's out of place. You, you just don't know what, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We've got that here, right here at the ranch. Um, I live in the Appalachian mountains and there's a lot of superstition and we've heard a lot of stories from the surrounding people and the little mini ranch that um, I'm on used to be belong to a tiny little town in the mid 1800s to the early, early to mid 1800s where the Chinese were building a railroad track and the railroad track borders this property. Well, just off the off of our property is the cemetery for these Chinese people that were at not only them, but other people as well. And you can feel the presence of whatever it is, whatever they are in this cemetery. You, you know that they're there. It's, it's, it's not creepy, at least not to me, it's not creepy. Um, I find cemeteries intriguing because you can feel so many different uh, things in your soul. And I'm, I, 
I don't know how to explain it other than sometimes the hair stands on the back, stands up on the back of your neck. You know that you know in your knowing that something is there. You cannot see it, but you know it's there. And it's I, I, I like to, I like to call it an everlasting energy, and it can be good or bad. Yeah, it can be good or bad. And you know, I I've gotten that feeling when I went to Dachau, when I went to Auschwitz, uh, when I've gone to any place of even the. Uh, in Iraq, uh, the massive bulk graves, mm-hmm. uh, um, mass graves that they had there for the Shia. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I completely get it. You can tell um, when there's been big harm done to masses of people, mm-hmm. and, it, and it was done... I, I hate to say even in more time because honestly it's I like to say it's dispassionate during wartime and it is, but there are war crimes that are committed from all sides and um you know, facts come out but there's something I felt at one time a long time ago, I'm not getting into it, but you know, I remember uh, the suffering of many people one time when I even went to a cave. So, uh, there's just something that doesn't feel right. I guess. I, I agree. I agree. The, the, this, this little piece of property that we're on also has a mine. Um, I'm not sure at this point in time, I'll know probably sometime this week. Um, I'm not sure what kind of mine was on this property, but there's tunnels from what I understand all underneath this property. And, you know, who knows what's buried in there? Um, we've heard rumors. We've heard, uh, suspicions from the neighbors. We've heard, uh, uh, rumors about there's a ranch nearby that, has hollers or well what normal people call hollows but they're called hollers here and uh, what a holler is is kind of like a valley um where there's big hills on each side surrounding it and then there's, there's just a valley where there's homes and stuff like that well we our haulers on this this piece of property there there's no nobody living there and the neighbors will not, the locals will not go into these hollers because of the wampus cat or what people outside of the Appalachian Mountain call Bigfoot. Um, so there is a lot of um, suspicious activity in these mountains. <laughs> wow. There you go. I, hey, I'm not, I'm not disbelieving. Uh, so, some of the things uh, I'll never forget back um, when I was stationed at Camp Pendleton going out with my uncle and my cousin when he was still alive uh, out to the high desert to go shoot and then we go to the low desert too um, mm-hmm. it was real interesting um, the caves out there 
the mafia from Vegas, if they wanted to end somebody for deaths or whatever, they'd throw them in a fucking uh, cave or a mine, you know. So it would be interesting to do some spelunking on your property and figure it out, you know. Uh, it's just kind of interesting, this whole thing. When people poo-poo certain things, um, to me it's just like ignorance, you know. That's why it's kind of like, I think uh, you and I talked about it one time offline. It's just like the thing that they talk about that was going on in... Um, Oh, I'm trying to think of his ranch now. Uh, the guy's name, it's eluding me, and I just talked about it earlier. Um, yes, and I can't remember it either. Yeah, um, it, it was... Um, Start with a the, uh, Yeah, it was a, a ranch that... Uh, Bigelow, yeah, Bigelow. Yeah. Bigelow's ranch. It was the, 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 the shapeshifters or whatever you want to call them coming through portholes and stuff. And while I think some of that's Skinwalker Ranch, was it? Skinwalker. That's it. Skinwalker. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much for saving me from my bad memory there. Uh, <laughs> Angel. Uh, but yeah, no. The, Bruce Bigelow. That was his name. Yeah. And um, hearing the tales of that, why I may think it's gamey, I think there's something to it. Everything I think there's something to. But the whole yeah. point of this is to investigate and find out where the truth lies, right? There's a place in Missouri. Um, you can tell I'm from Missouri. Uh, Missouri, where there's orbs, just balls of light. They range from anywhere from the size of your thumbnail to the size of a basketball. And they just show up randomly. They just show up. You can see them coming towards you. At first, people say, no, those are headlights. Well, when they come closer and closer and closer to you, they are not headlights. They are some kind of an orb. And when I was growing up in the Ozarks, um, that's where we would go necking is because we felt safe when the orbs were there because they would get brighter and brighter and brighter when people's parents would show up and they'd get lighter and lighter and lighter when the parents weren't around. So we knew we could go necking. <laughs> <laughs> it was, <laughs> uh, and people have tried to capture the orbs. I, from what I understand, the orbs have never been been captured or uh, boxed or anything like that. Um, they can go through, like for example, there was one one orb that somebody tried to capture to see if they could. Um, penetrate it and see what it was made of and it was a mist it just it just evaporated and well, so, imagine it was never that. so it so it was never captured but when the mist disappeared it reappeared outside of the box that it was supposedly captured in well and imagine I'm, that fascinating fascinating 
Have Have you ever talked to an entity or an apparition or a mist or something? Have Have you ever talked to one and had it have it has it ever communicated to you? Well, with me, no. Uh, the one thing I don't speak of, I heard a uh, language from this thing. Um, not getting into specifics on anything. Um, it was nonsense. It probably meant something to it. Uh, a serious case of uh, agitation. But yeah, like I said, man, uh, caves, uh, mass graves, those kind of things um, where violence has happened. One thing I've noticed that you get this feeling... Neither of us can really describe it, but you know, it's not right. And Mm -hmm. so the, you know, it's like Haditha dam, which I'm sure everybody who's listening to angel show knows what that is. Um, different other places. Um, there is, uh, I think the times today are showing that we've broached something. There's I, a tear in the fabric, and that's what I'll say. I forget where it was several years ago. Okay, many years ago, maybe 25, 30 years ago. There were some men digging a well or digging something, and, and they had to to dig down a certain amount of footage and the further they dug down, the louder the screams. And not yes. just screams from the individuals that were doing the drilling. They were screams inside the hole. Right. You're not talking about Mel's hole. What you're talking about is what the Russians did. And uh, it's the largest hole ever. Mel's hole, they don't know where it ends. Uh, that was an Art Bell thing. But Art Bell also got sent a tape by a Russian who I I know who it is. That's all I'll say. Um, Where they dropped the mic down. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And you could hear the horror and the terror from these people. And I think they called it um, the hole to hell or something. It's the largest hole that's been dug. It's not like Mel's hole, it's not a big hole. It was like an oil dr- drilling platform that uh, bored this hole out. And they just dropped the mic down because they could hear something faint mm-hmm. at the surface, but they wanted to capture it more. Um, Angel actually used to produce Art Bell, so mm-hmm. he, he may have a copy of those sounds, but maybe not. It doesn't matter. The point is that was documented and it's bone curdling or as you said, uh, bone chilling because Mm -hmm. even hearing it, uh, you, you get to recreate the sensation of those that listen to it at that time. Your thoughts. I cannot imagine the terror one would feel just hearing the screams of another individual or they think is an individual that that is making the sound 
is you can be watching a horror movie and you hear someone scream and you know what is getting ready to happen in that horror movie that someone is getting ready to die. Well, I cannot imagine being in hell or in a place like that where someone is thinking or an entity is thinking that they are about to die. And then the scream is, is heard over and over and over again. And then somebody who's on the surface having to hear that, I cannot imagine the terror. Oh, I agree with you on that. Uh, one thing that's funny to me. By the way, I have, uh, I have a copy if you want to hear. Uh, a cool, brother. Of, cool. Oh, awesome, 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 awesome. Anybody been bold enough to try to get a camera of some kind, a video down in that hole? I don't think so. All I remember was they dropped the mic. You got to remember, this is the Rodina, Russia, back in the day. Uh, it was still Soviet occupied. And you have to remember, busy work was the uh, state of the order in the old. Uh, Soviet Union. So mm -hmm. that's where it was captured. The BBC guy, I'm pretty sure I know where he got the recording from. But you got to remember, when I first heard that, I was like, yeah, bullshit, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but then uh, during the Berlin conference, I actually met the guy. And uh, he, he told me where it came from, and it was Siberia. And remember, that was a penal colony. So they could get them to exactly. do busy work to drill uh, oil well type holes, but they're they're not expecting to get. But one of the funny things is one of the folks that were uh, in charge of that hole actually walked by it on a quiet night during the summer, quote unquote, for Siberia, and heard something. And that's why the mic was put down the hole. This is what I got from my one brother. I'm, I'm not getting, giving out his name. Um, but, um, you know, in uh, Camp Delta in Iraq, I worked with Ukrainians. Uh, we had Russians come in at a certain point. Um, as Robert Young Pelton famously called it, you know, Bush used to say a coalition of the willing. It was a coalition of the billing. You know, they would come in big uh, Antonov jets mm -hmm. and uh, bring gear to the uh, Ukrainians from Russia because they were still, they hadn't had their little civil war and everything that happened. Um, and, you know, you, you also have to remember their PHU, their contractors, like mm -hmm. what you and I do for a living, they're mm -hmm. all either GRU or KGB. That's just a fact. Right. And uh, most people don't understand how geopolitics really work, especially within the CI. So, um, 
it's just kind of interesting that that I'm glad Angel had a copy of it. Thank you very much. Because I, we were just talking about it, and if you couldn't have found it, it wouldn't have been a big issue. But Art Bell had that, I believe. Let me see. I was still fed when I first heard that. So I think it would have been 2003. If it was earlier, Angel, you can correct me. But that's... I think yeah, it was, it was around. Then. It was around that time. Uh, the the uh, story uh, is they dug uh, eighty thousand feet down. Good and, night. Yeah, and uh, that's how uh, it sounded to them. And the sound supposedly got louder and louder as they were, they kept digging. There were uh, multiple uh, people hearing sounds. It wasn't just uh, one person. They all verified it, and that's what led to the curiosity of, uh, well, let's stick a, a audio device down there and see what we pick up, and that was the result. You know, I'm wondering if a lot of people seem to think that that might be hell. What if that's not hell? What if, I mean, we're talking Siberia. We're talking where in the 17 and 1800s, if not even less, in years and that, or further back in years, we're talking people have been sent to Siberia and the Siberian front and things like that to to die. What if these are the screams of those people that were tortured and was sent there to die? You know what? I I can't hate on that. That could be very well be uh, the case. My only thought is. In all honesty, um, something happened. Uh, the person I know, uh, I believe on this, that it was a mic drop down in a hole. Mm-hmm. Like I said, a, a drilling hole. Um, uh, within my own people, uh, this is 100% legit. Uh, this was sent to Art Bell. Uh, the way he described it, Art, you know, was notorious for sometimes pulling pranks or, uh, you know, letting people get away with certain things. Uh, for example, the, the famous Area 51 caller, uh, which a lot of people know also, that was actually a friend of mine. His name is Brian J. Glass, who is a, a comic book artist, and he did that as a prank to Art Bell. And Art found out after the fact that that was a prank phone call. People still to this day think that was an actual phone call. Uh, even though he went back on the show saying it was all a prank, he's been on my show, he's you know done the voice and everything. But this particular audio clip, the way Art described it, is exactly the way he got it. It's 100% legit to the point where it got to his hands. How they made it, who made it, that is still to be debated. But from Art Bell's point, when he played it on air years ago, that all is 100% legit. Oh, I'm, I'm not... I'm new. I'm not questioning the legitimacy of it. Like I said, I had a brother of mine uh, tell me it was legit from Siberia. Mel's Hole, I never heard a recording from Mel's Hole, from Art Bell or anywhere else. Wouldn't it be interesting to try to communicate with the screamers? Well, here's what I think about hell. I don't think that's hell. I don't think it's deep enough to be hell. Well, I think would be so i don't get scared about that stuff the paranormal does not scare me um i'm secure in my own skin where my 
where my soul and my spirit is concerned. I think it would be fascinating to try to communicate with the screamers. Why are you screaming? Yes, maybe it is health. Maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe See, they I, can communicate, uh, say, repent or or whatever. Just it would just be. I would just find it fascinating to try to communicate with the screamers. Here, here's how I think about hell, and I do believe this to my core. Um, I think hell is anything that you did in this earthly life. If you're a drunk, sex addict, whatever you're going to do for the rest of your life down there to the point where it hurts you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so your deviance will be your undoing basically. And, uh, there was somebody, I believe Art Bell had the guy on who, uh, said he went to hell. He became a preacher if memory serves. And he was like, yeah, no, it wasn't like, what people think it was you got to indulge to the point to where it was not fun. It was not where you wanted it to be. And I think that's some more logical progression from this ethereal life to your everlasting life. And that's just my point of view. I'm not trying to shove it down anybody else's neck. Um, it just, my thoughts on it. From just listening to that, I'm still getting the chills. Or maybe it's because I'm sitting in front of the window and a cold breeze just came through. But <laughs> <laughs> that would do it. <laughs> it's yeah. all good. It's all good in the hood. Like I said, it's uh, that's you know Biff Tad whatever. Uh, the point is, we know the origin of the first one, uh, Mel's Hole. We know that if, like I said, I just didn't hear that one. I did hear. The fake Area 51 caller getting shot down, and I heard his rebuttal and saying, I'm an actor. Uh, the gentleman you had on later in life, uh, Angel. So we're, yep. we're good on that. I, I remember that. And I remember he even came on art, I believe, when you were producing art. So um, it, it, it's a good yeah. time. I mean, we we don't have to argue those points. The point is, I believe from folks that were in Haditha Dam, they heard something similar by the angels. Supposedly, I, I did air quotes, the angels, fallen ones, that are buried under Haditha Dam. And the proof is in the pudding when you have all these Iraqis that were put there going insane at the bottom levels. And that's my thoughts. Wow. Um I'm looking forward to going over to the cemetery. I haven't been in a cemetery, I think, only one time. And um, I'm looking forward to going into the cemetery with a whole new mindset, um, not just because of just listening to these screams of what we just heard, but this cemetery where these Chinese people are buried, what did they go through before they died working on the railroad? I'm trying to bring it back home, um, bring the conversation back home. Um, to where, what is in your backyard? My backyard, there's a cemetery, yep. mines. And what is in your backyard? What, what is there that we are not seeing, but we can feel what is there that we well, can see, but we're not recognizing. Well, it's just like that seventies movie, Poltergeist, Kate. I believe this. Um, 
where why, the little why, girl why, goes, they're here. Why does it always have to be evil? It's like, it's, I'm, I'm not saying it, it always does, but that's how it's portrayed. It's, it's portrayed that poltergeist or, or apparitions or whatever are evil. When my mother passed away and I went to visit her grave about a year later and I was putting flowers on the grave, I could feel, and I'm not saying it was her, but I could feel a positive presence there, but I could also feel an evil presence and it balanced out. It was more than one presence and it balanced out until the evil presence overwhelmed the positive presence and I had to get out of there. Well, it's the old Japanese term, Madikudasai, it waits in the air. Um, you know, there, this thing is so deep. If researchers, and I know there's many, uh, really look at it, I think there is a balance, a yin and a yang. What if there really are good angels out there? And what if there really are bad angels out there? And what if they there really are. are battling in the spirit realm for who you are in your soul? There are. I, I have no I, doubt about it, in my I opinion. believe that. Absolutely. I, you're not hearing me uh, say you're wrong at all on that. Because I do believe that. I'm ready to meet these positive angels. I want to see their yeah. swords. I want to see their muscles. And you know, I want to see them, you know? Well, it's like this. I traveled all over Iraq, Mesopotamia, oh. the seat of where Adam and Eve lived. And mm-hmm. God posted angels on every en- every entrance into the Garden of Eden. Because no man will ever walk through it. And I've seen the walls of Nineveh and Mosul. I've seen the re-erection of the Tower of Babel. And so, you know, I've seen all this stuff uh, physically. And by the way, the walls of Nineveh, the ones that are left, are still there in Mosul. Um, I think that's why that was so targeted by ISIS. To get rid of history. But we're doing the same shit here in the U.S. Get yeah. rid of history. So this yeah. is. You know. Th- this is something that's global. I, I don't think. That we're accidentally stumbling into something. That hasn't been foretold. For eons. At least two eons that we know of. Well there's nothing new under the sun. According right. to. Holy Scriptures. There's nothing new under the sun. It's just new to us. Yes, indeedy, because we are experiencing it now. Correct. I remember a time when I worked security for uh, Kenny Rogers at the Grand Palace in Branson, Missouri, way back in the ancient years of my security times. And I went home. My regular home was in um, Oklahoma at the time, but I temporarily lived in Branson because we were hired to do security. At at um this do a precursor here at the at the at the Grand Palace. The Grand Palace was one of the largest theaters in Branson at the time. And Kenny 
uh, Rogers had a lot of stars there, Barbara Mandrell, uh, the Mandrell sisters. Um, he had everybody that you could think of that didn't own a theater already there at the Grand Palace. Um, I got off work one time and I went back to my, my uh, place where I was staying and I was sleeping and I could literally see, I was awake. I thought I was sleeping. I was wide awake and I was looking in my home back in Oklahoma. I was looking in my home and I could actually see a demon in my home going from room to room trying to locate me. Honestly, I agree with you. I mean, think about it. Kenny Rogers, Barmandrell, all that stuff right now. Um, you're, you're looking at upside down world. And the point is, you know, I, I worked in Nashville for a certain time. Uh, oh, yeah. So you understand, you understand the spirit realm of that, um, that culture. Oh, yeah. I I knew a dude. I, I've said this before on my own show. I knew the dude that had the M60 machine gun after Elvis's came off. It's the next serial number. And this guy worked for the electric company in the U.S. In, 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 in Ohio. And he was just a regular dude. But see, that's the difference between then and now. And Elvis loved a 60 and guess what the m60 he owns is still at graceland you can go look at it mm -hmm. uh, um a lot of people they conflate things they try to make it more than it is but the fact is this has been besmanov yuri besmanov and uh even khrushchev said we'll bury you without having to fire a shot because you'll rot from the inside and that's what's happening. Anyways, we're getting political. I don't want to do that. This is about paranormal. Um, but the paranormal is effective within this span too, because it, it, it's when people lose faith in what they have been raised with and they look for external forces. Well, this demon that I was watching going through my home, going room to room. I don't know what he was. I call it a he. It's probably not gender specific, but whatever it was, was clearly searching for me. I, I assume it was searching for me because I was the only one that owned the house. And something that night found me and was choking me. When I did wake up, I thought I, I don't, when I did wake up, I could feel it around my throat and I had to fight it off. And it was to the point where my lungs literally hurt for days because I could not breathe that night. The life was literally being choked out of me. You know, I don't disbelieve that. And it's like the succubus and incubus. Uh, um, this stuff, it's real. It's in the ethereal, just like a lot of things. They're in the ethereal, but in all honesty, Kate, uh, um, I can't blow shade on any of that. 
because I believe that can happen. Absolutely. I know what happened. (laughs) the, The ethereal is connected to reality. Mm-hmm. And my question was, was what is it that I'm supposed to be doing in my life that you're trying to kill me over? And then my life reflects why. Well, I think both of us know what you were doing and, and that's for another time. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm, you're fighting a good fight and you always have. There's a reason why we've been brother and sister for many years. Yep. Um, just like with Angel, I, I don't believe in mistakes and I don't believe in accidents. Uh, you meet people on purpose. Yep. And, and it's not your purpose. If you're guiding it, it'll fuck up. It's uh, God's purpose. It is God's purpose. And the only prayer I ever say every day is put my feet where you want it to be today. Yep. And I'll be there. I'll be there in the present. What do you want me and, to do? Yep. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but right now. What do you want me to do right now? In the present. Right. Exactly. And and if it means it ends my life, it ends my life. Well, we've yep. got... Uh, you forget one thing. Uh, every day that you're alive is a gift. That's why it is called the Amen. present. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Well, Not... I appreciate you having me on your big orange couch. It was a fun night tonight, and I'm going to finish my coffee, tea, adult whatever it is that you say libation libation right (laughs) vibration libation libation Um, and I I appreciate you having me on I hope that I can come back on frequently and bless your uh, listeners with whatever topic that we have for that night oh we will and you will um with that being said, do I need Keith, to do you have any uh, any any links or any uh, websites uh, that people can uh, contact you on or, or research your work? Uh, no, um, actually, I belong with the Phoenix Federation LLC International, um, which is an organization where we trace, track, rescue, and extract victims of human trafficking. And we do not have a website for obvious reasons because several. Most of us are um, not recognizable gotcha. on purpose. And um, But if you really want to check us out, check out a21.org um, or projectbeautiful.org. Um, they're both organizations that we have worked with and worked for um, internationally to where we save victims of human trafficking and a 21 stands for awareness in the 21st century. Um, they are domestically within the borders of the United States. Um, and, um, project beautiful is international um, where we did a lot of international work in saving victims and, uh, dealing with the bad guys when it warranted. Right. Um, what Very I'll say cool. is, well, I want to thank all of you guys for stopping by Kaiser's Castle. 
taking a seat on my big orange couch, enjoying your coffee, tea, soda, or adult libation. And I will slowly raise the drawbridge as you all meander out of Kaiser's Castle. And this has been Castle Talk Radio exclusively on PSN Radio. And um, at this point, I want to say love y'all. Hopefully you got something out of this. Stuff out.